Okay, ladies and gentlemen, we are live and welcome to another episode of the Hunger for the Hustle podcast. This is episode 11 and it's my absolute pleasure to be here. Now, don't forget we can see you all in the comments with a small delay, but we'd love to hear your thoughts on our conversation. Today, I am joined by a man who is the embodiment of the Hunger for the Hustle, a man who started, like many of us from humble beginnings, and along his journey of building a highly successful business and attaining financial freedom, was met with lots of obstacles and challenges, but he knocked every single one of them down. It is my honour and pleasure to welcome to the show the owner and operator of Artistic Editions and the creator of the billionaire mindset, Larry Normile. Larry, how are you, sir? Good. How are you doing today? It's an honour and pleasure to be here. Let me start with that. Thank you. So you want um, me to... Go ahead. Now, Larry, you've got, I've, I've been doing my research and you've got a very interesting and colourful life. You've, it's, it's funny, I read, I read a lot of your story and it mirrors parts of mine. You know, you've done a lot of different jobs along the way to get to where you wanted to get to. Yeah. You've been knocked back several, several times, um, particularly when you got to a good point and you were doing well and then, bam, yeah. two things happened, knocked you right back to where you started. But, yeah, like I always like to start these podcasts, Larry, and, and ask people, where did it all start for you? Where did your hunger for the hustle come from? Since I was a kid with my father, like going out every day, we, my dad, at young age, I would always, all summer, I would go out with him at five o'clock in the morning and just go to work with him all day. He owned his own business. He owned a lawn care business and a cleaning business, and I would, I would physically just go out with him and work all the time. And he was always talking about hard work and dedication and what it takes to be successful. And at the time, you know, I was only 10, so I didn't know what the heck he really was talking about. Yeah. Now I know he was just building my mindset for like success. Like, come on, you got to be successful. This is what it takes to be successful because we ended up moving from Connecticut at the time, Hartford, Connecticut to Delaware. And uh, when we moved here, we didn't know anybody, you know? So like my dad picked up and owned, I started two new businesses off the strength of nobody. He had nobody around and they started doing good. So, and he showed me what it took, man. We would go and knock doors all day. Like if he cut one yard, he would hit that whole neighborhood. We would just knock every door. And if he couldn't knock it, I would knock it. You know, sometimes it's better when a kid knocks on a door than a grown man, especially if you don't know him. And, you know, back then my dad, my dad that I was raised with was a black man. So it's like, you know, Sometimes back in the 80s, people didn't really tend to really want a black man knocking on our door. So I would go fly here, blue eyed kid. They'd be like, oh, come on, buddy. You could cut it. <laughs> so I used to make all kinds of money when I was younger with my dad on the side. So that's where it started. And then it, it, and from that point, like it went from being straight uh, to till he I was 16 when he passed. And when he passed, I went into like this dark stage in my life. And then I went to I ended up, you know, in and out of foster home and juvenile detention centers and then I dropped out of school ended up in in jail and when I went on jail um both of my cellmates were in for murder and that's where it really started for me because I was lost from 16 to then you know what I mean so it was like I didn't really have the structure because my father wasn't there no more and I really was just getting in trouble trying to like hope my dad would come back and yell at me because in my head that's what I felt so when I got to jail Richard was like you know Larry you gotta do something because this can't be your life. You can't allow this to take over your life. So we ended up, he kept telling me, set some goals, set some goals. And one day we were just in there playing chess and he was like, all right, 
here's the deal. I want you to set me two goals and I want these goals to be, you know, something that you just can't, you, you have to do. And I want to hear them. And I want you to tell me you did them. So I was like, all right. So I told him, I was like, dude, I'm going to open up the most elite tattoo studio and I'm going to take care of my mom. And at that time I didn't even really tattoo. I was only tattooing with needle and thread and like a homemade tattoo machine. You know, I never really picked up a real machine or even knew what I was going to do. And, uh, that's where it started for me. Then I got out of jail. When I got out of jail, I'd like to say I ran towards my goals, but that's not true. I started doing other things, you know, and then finally I went and got a job at Pioneer Concrete because being out of jail and not really having anything else, all I could do was go get my CDL. So I went and got my CDL, started driving truck. And then I realized like where I was living at the time was in, a, in the city. I was like, I can't be here because this brings me back to like the way I don't want to live. You know what I mean? So I had to move. So I moved back down home towards my mom, like where my mom lived in Dover. And I was like, I'm just going to live down here and I'm going to just get a job down here. I'm going to get myself together and I'm going to find a place. Right. So I went and I was still tattooing out of my house, but I went and worked at a local bike shop. And while I was working at the local bike shop, I would go around to all these tattoo shops around here. At the time, there was only like three or four, but I would go around all every day, all day in this one shop. I just kept going. And then and they ended up three of the artists ended up just leaving because there was a, they had their own issues. They were fighting their own demons at the time. So they left and it was only one other artist. So when I walked in, they were like, hell, you're here all the time. I'm just going to give you this job. And and I didn't even know what I was doing. I didn't know how to tattoo, but they took me. So that's where it started. And then yeah. from that point, I worked there for about a year, got myself up to my confidence to be ready to move on to me. Like, okay, I'm going to take this step. Just like you're jumping out on out there, you know, that's what I did. I was like, you know what? I'm going to open up my own business. I'm going to make it work. I said I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. So I did it. Now, at the time, I ended up having a kid, you know, so I had this newborn baby. I opened up this shop, and everything seemed like it was doing good, but my mindset wasn't where it should have been. I didn't understand budgeting. I didn't understand marketing. I didn't understand how to run a business at all. Like, I had no knowledge of any of that. So in my first year, I ended up getting broke into. They stole all my stuff. My wife ended up cheating on me with my best friend. I lost my house. I lost my marriage. I lost my business. I lost everything. I ended up having to clean bankruptcy over it. And through all that stuff, man, my depression was so high. And then it was just me and my son because the mom left. So then I had to move back in with my mom. So when I moved back in my mom, I was like, you know what? I can't I can't let this be the end of me. There's no way. I know what I'm going to do and I'm going to do it. So I ended up going back to work for Pioneer Concrete again, <laughs> started working for them, saved up some money and then opened up another studio. And this time when I opened up that one, I was doing great, man. Like we we're doing good numbers. I I got this like halfway accountant. You know how you got that friend of a friend type of deal. Had one of them. She was working my numbers, but she wasn't explaining to me anything or she teaching me what I needed to know because that's not her job. Right. It's just her job to take care of the numbers. Hmm. So once again, I wasn't putting stuff away where I should have been and, and I wasn't saving money because at that time I didn't know what marketing was. I didn't know what the, I didn't even use the Internet like that. So realistically, the way I would go get business is I would go out to the clubs and party a lot and I would live that rock star star life, you know, but that rock star life costs a lot of money. So here we go. The owner, three years of owning that shop, the owner comes in and uh, he's like, yeah, we're, we're we're selling the building. I was like, okay, cool. No big deal. He's like, yeah, landlord doesn't want to, the new guy's not going to want to do anything. He just wants to remodel the building. I'm thinking, cool. You know, it needs it anyway. It's the older building. It could use a new look. No, 
he wanted everybody out of there. He wanted us all out so he could just go in and just remodel it with no issues, right? So going back and forth, I would I was like, no, nah, I'm not leaving, man. This is what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm not doing anything else than tattooing. This is what I wanted to do. This is what I'm doing. So he kept going back and forth. I didn't have any money saved up because I was living that rock star life, acting like I had it when I didn't. And the landlord comes in and uh, in the middle of the night while we wasn't there, he cuts out my bathroom wall. So I come in the next day, me and my son every morning would come in from, we would get breakfast and we sit on this, we had this long counter in there. We would sit on it and that's where we ate breakfast. The board of health guy comes in and he goes, Hey Larry, I got to do an inspection on your building. We got to check it out. I got a complaint. I'm like, all right, man, what's the complaint about though? You know, like what does somebody complain about? He's like, Oh, because your bathroom. And I'm thinking to myself, like, Dude, our bathroom's nice. It's huge. I don't know why you would complain about our bathroom out of all things in the shop. So we walk in the back, and as soon as I opened the door, it was like getting smacked in the face, man. You could see the apartment behind my building in my shop. I'm looking at him, and I, I don't know what to say. I'm like, dude, I didn't do this. Like, I didn't cut this wall out. I'm like, you know, now I have nothing to do with this wall. I don't know why it's not there. I promise you I'll get it taken care of. I'll have it taken care of. Nobody lives in the apartment. Nobody has to worry about anything. He's like, nope, I got to shut you down. Mm -hmm. So then I couldn't do anything about the wall because now the, the city got involved and they wanted to have a permit to put it up. So mm -hmm. I was screwed. I was just stuck. So I ended up having to pack everything up. Now at this time, I'm like, man, because I had that taste, you know, like I had the taste of freedom. I was working for myself. Everything was going good. Like I was finally getting to a point where I was living. I have my house now. Like I had, you know, a couple of roommates, but I was doing good. Yeah. Nope. Depression kicked in. I ended up then having to go get a job at Gold's Gym just to make some money, you know, and I worked my way up to operations manager and I started working there doing good. And uh, I was trying to, like, get myself back, put my credit back where it needed to be, get some, you know, yeah. money put back in the bank. And nah, didn't happen. They let me go. So when they let me go at that time, I had five hundred dollars in a savings account and I just paid my rent. So I was like my account was negative forty two dollars. And I was just waiting on my next paycheck so I can have some money in my account. So I'm sitting there and I was like, I'm not letting this get up on me. So I went to my buddy shop that had a tattoo shop down the road and I went to talk to him. I was like, man, listen, I just need to come tattoo somewhere on the side because I don't want to do it out of my house. He goes, hey, man, Tony's bike shop's moving out on the highway. Prime location in the city of Dover. It's right dead center in the hub on the highway. So I was like, man, I'm going to go check it out. I go check it out. The landlord was like, yeah, we're renting it. You know, we'll give you, this is how much we'll charge you, blah, blah, blah. I was like, all right, cool. So now I'm like scrambling around trying to find money to make this happen. And I get up with one of my clients and he goes, yeah, man, he's, he's a businessman. He was like, I'm going to invest with you, man. We'll get just, you know, we'll make it work. He's like, I can see there's money in this, blah, blah, blah. I was like, all right. So we go, the, the landlord's come down. We're going to sign the lease and guess who doesn't show up? Him. So I'm sitting there talking back and forth with him like uh, for 45 minutes. It's just like back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And then finally, I was like, listen, can we please just reschedule this for a couple of days? Because I, I don't know what happened. I don't know what's wrong. I don't want to stipulate on something I don't know. But please can you give me a couple of days. They were like, yeah, no, no problem. You know, we'll make it work. So three weeks go by of me negotiating with him because he never got a hold of me. So finally, I had written this check for 500 bucks, right? And that's all I had. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go up there with this $500 check, and I'm just going to shoot this pitch. And this is what I told him. I said, listen, I got $500. It's October. 
they're not getting out till January. I don't get to I don't get to move in until January first. I'm going to give you this check right now, called a good faith check. Take this check, and I promise you, if I don't have the money by January first to start this build and get the shop built, you can just keep the check as a good faith check because I'm telling you, I'm going to do it. And he goes, you know what? I'm gonna give you this chance. So I was like, yes, right. All the way until I started riding back home, and I'm looking like I just have borrowed twenty dollars to get up here. I don't even have the money to do nothing. <laughs> I don't know what I'm gonna do, right? So I was like, uh, I get home and I'm looking and I'm like scrambling, and I had this laptop that I was using, right? But I was like, I don't need this laptop. So I ended up taking some pictures of it, throwing it on Craigslist because at that time that's what was the selling market before yeah. Facebook and all the other stuff, right? Craigslist yeah. was like the thing. So yeah. I stuck it on there, sold it, and ended up taking that money and buying this little raggedy Civic and ended up getting a set of rims off my buddy. I was like, dude, when I sell it, I'll give you back your hundred bucks. He's like, oh, <laughs> no big deal. Put the rims on it, cleaned it up, and then sold it. And next thing you know, man, I'm flipping like cars and like show bikes and just whatever I could get my hands on to make a profit. And that's how, how, how I ended up getting the money to get the shop started to build, right? So, so now, yeah. So now like here I am in March, like it was two weeks before March, it was February, the end of February. And it was the day before I was supposed to open up. The inspector comes in to do his final inspection. And mind you, he's already been in like four or five times and failed me for a whole bunch of other stuff already. Right. So I'm thinking we're good now. Cause the last thing was the bathroom. We had a little issue with the bathroom. We had to get handled. So I, when he walks in, he looks over at the one wall. Mind you, he's walked by this wall like 20 times already. I don't know why you would look at it today, but you decided to. Out of all days in the world, you wanted to take today. He looks over and sees the door. There used to be a little door there or something. He goes, is that a door? I was like, I don't know, man. It looks like it. I was like, but I didn't touch that wall. All I did was paint it. He goes over to the screwdriver, pokes a hole through it, and you can see into the shop next door. Oh. And he goes, Larry, I can't I can't do nothing for you, man. I can't open the doors because there's a four-hour firewall. It needs to be between a service and a retail and says you don't have that flower well i can't allow you to be open i'm looking at him like dude listen i don't even have any money i don't sold everything I, I don't even have a car i sold my car to finish and i don't even have anything else to sell like i don't have anything so he's like there's nothing i can do so i was like man what am i gonna do what am i gonna do right so i ended up calling the landlord and i'm like at my wits end i don't want to bother these people you know i'm i don't know what to say to them because I feel like I failed myself. And he mm -hmm. goes, Larry, before I even got the whole thing out, he goes, Larry, don't worry about it. Get it done and I'm going to take care of it and, and I'll, I'll handle it for you. Mind you, it did take another month to get open because we had to get an architect and a, yeah. a, a contractor come do the job. But 30 days later, we got the doors open and a blessing. But all that was I went through all that struggle. But my first year open from March to December, I made one hundred ninety seven thousand dollars my first day, first year open. Ooh, the yeah. most money I ever made in my life to that day, you know, like I yeah, was yeah. like, Oh my God, I don't know. I thought I was doing good, but I didn't really know what taxes were. <laughs> I didn't know <laughs> any of that one. So it sounds like a good number, but when you're yeah. putting that money back out to grow your business bigger and bigger, you don't yeah. realize at the end of the year, you owe a lot of money back. Yeah. yeah so, that's a, I, uh, revenue is vanity and profit is sanity. Yeah. So I ended up taking a hit. So, and then I was open for about another three years and I ended up, with my wife now that we have a child with, I was in the middle of a divorce with her because my mindset was not where it needed to be. I knew I should have never married her or been with her because I brought her into some places that she shouldn't have been in my head because I wasn't right. Not her. It was me. Yeah. And 
I was trying to make it a peaceful breakup, but you know, a lot of anger and hostility came out and it became a long drawn out thing. And then to make things worse is some of the artists that worked with me at the time, worked for me at the time, took it personal too. Like it had something to do with them when it was really just between me and her, Mm. but they ended up getting really heavily involved. And then it became this big thing when I don't know why, because I was there for them. I wanted them to be there for me. Like I was there for them. When I'm over here thinking about suicide, you're over here dogging me worse. So I'm like, I don't know what to do, man, you know? And it took one night of me just like talking to another person and it, it clicked. And I was like, you know what? I'm changing my life for the better. So on top of all that, I find out my brother, my best friend, the dude I would die for, the guy that was in our wedding is now dating and then eventually married my wife at that time, my ex-wife. So like I went through a lot, you know, in the first few years of my business being open all the way until now. But so through that time, I got through all that. And now here I am, you know, through everything I've been through, I finally have gotten to the point where every artist that works for me, except for one artist, I hand trained. So they all work for me that I taught even the piercer. So like we have a bond in there that just can't be broken. You know, like we're just tight knit family. And we all have the same mindset together. And in doing that, now we're just on the road to the biggest growth of our life. We have podcast out. I have a TV show coming. I have a book being written. I have, man, I have so many things in the works now that I never would have imagined when I originally set this goal, what I was going to do and where I've become because of just changing my mindset and understanding, like, even in business, how much stuff you have to do and understand and be willing to because. What I can tell people from this is, man, you got to be ready for the, the battle, man. I'm war tested and battle proven. Like I can just go to war. Right. So if anybody wanting to start a business, just be ready. Just be ready. Right. Yeah. And it, it's it's interesting. So essentially it took you 20 years, didn't it? From when you created that goal, goal there yeah. in prison with with Richard to, you know, to, to buy to buy your mother a home. Oh yeah, I forgot about that part in March yeah, yeah. 2020. Thank you. March 2020, I did buy my mom's house and I paid off all her debt and I fully remodeled her house this year. So there was a lot done. I mean, fully remodeled the whole inside. So this year I did everything I said I was going to do 20 years ago. And now my next goal I set is to become a billionaire. And now I have a documentary going of how to become a billionaire because I'm going to show people that and my goal in, in everything in this is just to say, like, listen, anything you set your mind to that you go for and you don't let anybody tell you anything different, you can do. And I'm going to show them that. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I can't wait to watch your journey. I'll share that goal with you. I want to be a billionaire, too. And um, it's perfectly possible. But particularly someone with with your faith, you know, 20 years of building and working towards a goal. A lot of people would give up in that time. A lot of people would have just said, no, it's not going to happen for me, particularly after setting up two or three tattoo shops and just getting them closed down. I can imagine building inspectors and health inspectors aren't your best friends, to say the least. (laughs) You know, the part I didn't say, this the the one part I haven't even talked about, because me and the owner, the old owner of the building that I'm in now are friends, right? Hmm. She sold a building from under me. I was buying a building from her. <laughs> so, I mean, I've been through a lot. But at the end of the day, I just know 
whatever I went through was for a reason, right? I just, some of the things I'm still learning what the reason were, but now I'm pretty battle tested. So, yeah, yeah. Oh, you've been through the wars, Larry. That's for sure. I'm ready for the next venture. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, was, I was watching again, watching over your, your speech from the Power Voice Summit, and you dropped yeah. a quote in there, which is a really, if, if you had to condense your journey down into one quote, a quote from, one of my countrymen, Winston Churchill, who said, never give up on something you can't go a day without thinking about. Yes. He's yeah. got so many powerful sayings, oh, man. He's got a few, right? <laughs> yes. That man, everyone I, so far, I feel like relation-wise to quotes, that man's got me. I love most of his, most of his quotes. I like, yep, okay, yep, I've been there, check. <laughs> like, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you had to pick, I know there's been a lot of challenges there, Larry. There sure is a lot of them. But if you had to pick one that really shook you to the core, that really, um, you know, shook your foundations and and wavered your faith, would you be able to pick one of them that really knocked you? It was the it was the last one where the guy that was my brother. You know what I mean? Like the what he did, and then the artist that I had working for me at that time what I did for them when they were in their darkest time. Like when I'm in my darkest time, I felt like that was a time that you should have came together and helped me instead of just beating me down more, you know? So that was probably my deepest, darkest time. Like all the rest, like the beginning, my first, I'll be honest with you, my first ex-wife, like that was kind of like, I was kind of relieved to be honest with you because I kind of wanted to be out of that relationship anyway, because she had no, aspirations of anything whatsoever so it was like i i just knew it wasn't gonna work anyway i'm over here working night job and working a tattoo shop just to pay the bills and you don't want to help that type of thing you know where you're making me do everything and you're just sitting back rewarding and rewarding and rewarding and i'm doing it on my own so i can't say to you that it was the last part Hmm. about seven years now nine years ago eight eight years ago that was the hardest point because at that point, you know, I was on the biggest growth of my life. Everything was going on at that time. And I didn't expect my decision to just, you know, separate with my wife at that time for mm-hmm. that to control anybody else's life when you didn't know her before you knew me. I didn't know, you know what I mean? Like we didn't, it's not like we hung out on a regular basis. And when you were needed something, who was there for you? It was me. So when I need you, you should be there for me because at the same time, because that's how I was raised. Like that's how my family was raised. When one of us needed each other, that's where we were. So that was the darkest one for me. Yeah, that one I that. yeah the, the betrayal, isn't it? Really, is, is mm-hmm. what it is. Yeah, I've, I can relate. Trust me, Barry. I've had some things happen to me like that that uh, knock you, and they stick in your mind for a long time. It's hard to forget things like that. But and you might be able to relate. The thing I found peace with in the end was. Just that, you know, people behave differently. And um, I'll tell you what, though, it's funny. I only actually have one, I have one tattoo, and it's right here on my ribs. I won't show the audience, but I do have one right here on my ribs, and it's something my grandfather used to say. And he says, people are different, don't be disappointed. And that's something I'd always uh, I always remember when, when some yeah. people uh, did me wrong. I just used to think, people are different, don't be disappointed, and, and stayed strong in the knowledge that, Although that's the way some other people behave, it's never the way that I'm going to behave. Yep. And I'm never going to 
go down to there's, that. To that there's level. two quotes that I'm always going to live with. And the one, and they were both by my dad. The one I got right here, it just says, it's like all the way across my hole. You can't really see it. Cause, but it says, uh, respects earned, not given. And it's huge all the way across because that's like my biggest thing. Like I respect you. You respect me. Right. And my other one is my dad always said, and, and now that I'm older, I know it's a quote, but I don't care. My dad started it with me. So it's always going to be that he always used to say, you know, people don't, people aren't, uh, born to hate you know they're taught to hate and if they can be taught to hate they can learn to love that's the other quote i have that i love so those are my two quotes that i live with for me yeah so yeah. quotes are a big thing man and 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 just like this podcast somebody's going to relate to us and somebody's going to need that conversation we're having to help them get over something you know so it's a good feeling that's yeah. why i like doing this yeah, that's that's why i'm here just to you know my own reason in fact and you'll be able to relate you know the same reason i do this is the same reason i wanted to get into speaking to help others and i believe i can do that with my voice yeah and i I said i said before my power voice summit if just one person got in touch with me and just felt my words and said they they got some impact from it or um just they enjoyed it then that would be great and and of course that did happen and i'm sure it did for you as well oh it was overwhelming Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It makes you feel good, like, though, man. Like when they write you and they say something to you, and it's like, you know, I had people from that knew me 15, 20 years ago when I was the old me, when I was the lost me, right? They're like, oh my God, oh my God, you've changed. Like your demeanor, your whole life. Cause, you know, back then I didn't care about me, let alone you. You know, I didn't care about anybody, I cared about nothing. When I say I cared about nothing, I cared about nothing. And it was a bad way of living, but it was because I was in such a dark state in my life and I had no direction. I had no direction. I didn't know what I needed to do. And that's what it takes in life when you're just down and out, man. Find that passion, something that you really love. And if you're going to do a business, it needs to be a passion-driven business. So that way you're not worried about the money side of it. Because in business, boy, that's the first thing that you always... That's the first and the last thing people stress over. You go out of your business when you retire worrying about it and you come into it worrying about it. That's you right. don't want to worry about it the whole time. And if you're if you're going into business because just for money and money's the main focus, you know this as well as I do, there'll be times when you don't make money. Sometimes yeah. it can be weeks or months where you you sometimes you're even at a loss. And if you're only going into it for money, in those times you're probably gonna end up quitting. Because you're not making what you were yeah. going to go in for. So, and you know it's funny, and that's that's the guy's honest truth. You know what's funny is I haven't play, I haven't received a check, a payroll. I my salary goes straight to my wife. I don't even get it. I don't want the money. It's not even when I get the billion dollars. It's not about having that billion dollars, right? It's not about like me physically caring about the money because I'm most likely I'm gonna give most of it away anyway. Because who the hell needs a billion dollars? Like that's a lot of money. I'd rather help somebody or something. I'm going to do something with that money. What? I don't know yet, but I will be doing stuff with that. But it's more about like showing somebody else, showing a Larry, somebody that a kid, an adult Larry, like somebody that was going through that something I went through. Because in that short story I just given you, I lived a lot of different lives in that story. Like there's a lot I didn't talk about because I don't want to take up all the time talking about it, but. I've been through a lot of things. I was a gambler. I was an alcoholic. I was, 
just like anything and everything. So those are, I lived a rough life, brother. Yeah. But I did it to myself. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Yeah. You did it to yourself. And it's, uh, you got through it though, right? None of it's yep. important. None oh, of no. it's important because of where you are right now. That's and where it took me. You'd be the same person you were if you hadn't have been through it all is an interesting thought as well, I think. Oh, 100%. I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't yeah. be here right now if it wasn't for that. Yeah. Hi, baby. You want to come say hi? My daughter jumped down. I knew she was going to do that. Come on. <laughs> it's all good, man. It's all good. We got we got a third guest on the show, guys. <laughs> yeah. That's a second guest, sorry. Hi. Say Hello. hi. Can you say hi? I can't hear you. Hey, how are you? <laughs> hi. Oh, she's so cute. Hi. Can you hear me? I gotta turn my Bluetooth off. Hold on. Can you hear me? Your mic's gone. No. There you go. Now, now Hi, how are you? I'm I'm talking to you from the other side of the world in Australia. Because yep. of where he lives. <laughs> yep. What's so your name? say Addison. Hey Addison, I'm Jake. I'm just speaking to your dad about his large and colourful life. Yep. <laughs> And if these are what this is what I do it for, my babies, my children. That's what it's about, man. It's what it should be about. Something I'm really looking forward to in my life, Larry, let me tell you. It means your whole life, brother. How old were you when you had your first child? Twenty four oh man, hold on. He's seventeen, I'm third forty one. Twenty four. Quick maths, well done. Twenty four. Twenty four. See you, Addison. Oh, she's still right here. She's just kind of <laughs> off to the side. <laughs> yeah, so we can keep talking. She's all right. Buddy. Yeah, no worries, man. So if there was, we, we took the big challenge there, the big big challenge moment. Now I'm going to flip from that to what's been a moment that made you mentally proud and, and that you hold as your biggest win this far of being a, being a business owner. COVID, being able to be prepared for it. I was actually – more prepared for that than I was anything ever in my life. Even though I didn't think I was, I was. You know, I didn't know if I was going to be able to do it or if I was going to do it. But I ended up, you know, sticking it out and just stayed with it and never, never gave up on myself and said, I'm going to do this no matter how I do it. I'm going to make it work. And in between all that, I did a lot of things. I took care of a lot of debt that I, I just knocked out a lot of things that I had to take care of. And yeah. That was yeah. my proudest moment in myself to know that even though I was four months out of work and every business I owned was non-essential, I still made it. You just did a good job. I, you know, you talked about the mental preparation and the things you've been through there. Yeah. You, you, those, those battles you went through was training for things like this. You know, oh, I, yeah. I, I, and you, I know you do the same. You live life from the inside out, not the outside in, right? So when yeah. things like this happen, 
and you're not watching the news, you're not consuming all the media and the radio and all the stuff, it's it's it makes it a bit easier to get through, particularly having that um, that that kind of battle zone training that you've had earlier in life. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't. I didn't. Um, I don't listen to any radio. Hi. I don't listen to anything really. I just. I uh, all I listen to is motivational people and podcasts like this. You know, where I can hear the story and listen to them. Same as me, mate. Same as me. I don't. The only. The only news I hear about COVID of other people who watch news, and usually I tell them that I'm not too interested in what. <laughs> I can talk, trust me, I'm, I'm, I have full shows, but I'm used to this. It's absolutely fine. I'm really, I'm really enjoying our, our second guest. <laughs> uh, you have to start all over again tomorrow, Larry. Is there anything that you do differently? Uh, yeah, I would actually... I would have if I didn't if I didn't know what I knew I would get mentored. I would definitely work with a, somebody. I would take I would take courses. I would do something to help me, like what I'm doing now. Because I have what we're jump what I'm jumping into now is I need the courses. I need to understand and I need to know how. Right. That's why I took the Les Brown program because I needed to know how to do this the right way. Because I didn't know. I didn't even know how to tell my story. So you know programs, man. I would definitely. You know, get some people to help me. That's what I would start with because that's where I didn't do it at the beginning. I didn't do it for my second one. For my third one, I did. I, I talked right. to people. I reached out. I talked to business people. I've got accountants, financial advisors, bookkeepers, lawyers. I have everything now. Like, there's yeah. not no, I, I, I'm ready for whatever has to come. Even though I don't want anything to come, I'm ready. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be ready. You got to be prepared. You got to have, yes. you know, backups and things to, if if one doesn't work out, you got to have a, a second a second backup. You know, I want to use the word Plan B. I don't really like that word, but the one to a better word is you just got to be prepared for when things don't work out and go wrong. Otherwise, when they do, you can it can crumble right, it can easily crumble for you. But the magic of the number three. Now I know that you said in your speech the number three is something that just keeps grinding away for you. But yeah, it just keeps coming at me. Do you, it comes with me as well. I've, I've been doing since January everything in threes. So, like, if I get if I get the opportunity to choose a number, it's going to be three. If I'm going to buy a, a, a number of something, it's going to be three. Because yeah. I, I think, one, you have a go at something. You might get a bit, a bit of beginner's luck. You might strike it lucky. You do okay. You're just generally having a go with no experience. Number two, you're getting better. You're getting a bit of confidence behind you. You might, you might, you might get it right, but then by the third time, by the third time, you should, you should have the experience. You know, you've, you've got the confidence, and you run with it. Yeah, and by then you're better. If not, you need to find something else. Because <laughs> <laughs> if not, you better find a mentor pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, very quickly. <laughs> yeah, but I, I align with that. Yeah, something I, I didn't take part of my life. Had a mentor just kind of to listen, listening to stuff online, uh -huh. you know, listening to people on YouTube, motivational messages. Um, you know, parents and teachers are always good mentors, whether, whether they come through as that. It can be a different thing sometimes, right? So sometimes yes. you go off and find your own, someone that you align with that's, that's differently. Um, and in different areas, I, I believe you could do 
different mentors for different things in different areas. Your your business life would, would perhaps need one mentor. Your fitness, you know, if you're not down with your fitness, you might want a mentor there, or a personal trainer. Um, and even in, even in your even in your personal life, you could do with a mentor sometimes. Just mm-hmm. someone who's already done what you you, you what you want to do, mm-hmm. uh, ticked or kick the goals that you want to go for, and yeah. you can figure out how they've done it, get in their mind, and shortcut it. Yeah, because think about it, man. When when you were down and you're out, you didn't have anybody to speak to, right? Mm-hmm. But if you had that person with the right mindset, man, it's just that's all you needed. There's people who are out there every day that are just here to help you. That's it. They know what it takes. Just like you know what it takes, just like John, Les, most motivational speakers know what it takes. Know what it takes to get what it is you need. Because most of the time, it's just get out of that mindset and put it into something else. I use it with passion. I'm passion-driven. I'm heart-driven. Everything in me, and that's just instilled in me with my mother and my father, you know, my mom being with a black man in the early 80s and going through the racial tension we went through even at one point at the very beginning my grandmother wouldn't even speak to my mom because of it you know so her not letting anybody take that from her and she's still dealing with her passion that was what she loved that man so she stayed with him through it all you know that's how i feel so that's what success is with me it's just living in your passion living in your passion man yeah yeah but you have to I totally agree. But you gotta find that passion first, right? Yeah, you gotta find it. And sometimes sometimes like I don't know. See, I feel like for me I knew from an early age what I wanted to do, right? Because at 14, 15, I was doing this. I was needle and threading people. I, I did my own self. You know, I had my name written across my back. I did dumb things and it was just something I loved. And I don't I couldn't tell you why. I don't know what I was influenced by heavily. I think it was just another friend of mine that tattooed too. And was like, oh, this is cool. Let's do it. You know? And it became a passion of mine. Yeah. And what timing as well? I know I've got a friend in the UK running all over tattoo shops. And it really exploded, hasn't it, within the past kind of 10, maybe 15 years? Is it tattoo? Yeah. 100% because you have all these TV shows now. And in awareness of what tattoos are, like I have, I have a TV show coming because of tattooing. You know, because it's so, and it, and people don't realize this is a business. Like it's just like a business for anybody else, right? We get paid when you walk in the door and you get something, not when you're not. When you're just we're we're commission based over, right? We're not sal. I'm a salary employee because I've owned a company and I've owned it for so long. I've got to that point where I can, but most people are based. But it's a business, right? And I feel like that's the separation now and people understand it's kind of like a therapy session. You come in and we help you just like you help us. Like we can help most people come in for a tattoo usually when they're going through something or they just some get some stuff because it's cool looking or whatever. But a lot of people nowadays come in for meaningful tattoos or they're going through something. They just need that release. Yeah. 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 We're your your pay therapist. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you pay through. And I, I think, and you'd be able to maybe enlighten me on this, but the way and, and the quality and the detail and the depth that, of the tattoos that people are having now compared to 20 years ago, you know, where where it used to be kind of a thing where, like, people are going to a tattoo shop, oh. they just knew they wanted a tattoo, right? They didn't really, 
they didn't they were creating the narrative and the story before it. Sometimes they just go and pick it out of a book. I've seen people do that. They go to a tattoo and they go, I like the look of that one. I'll get that one. When I first started, that's how it was. Yeah. In the, in the early, late 90s, early 2000s, you just walk in a shop and it was just whatever it is you saw, whatever it is you saw on the on the wall you would get it wasn't like you came in and said oh i want this custom piece not a lot of artists were doing that now you walk in my shop we don't even have flash on the wall it's it just comes out of your head you tell us something and we put it on paper yeah so it's the world everything has changed it's so crazy how much it's changed it's yeah, so it's, much better yeah yeah it's big it's become its own really true art, i feel Dad, what is this? Something you can't play with. What is it? <laughs> Dad, tell me. My son got stuff all in it. Got this new... Dad, is this bubblegum? No, it's not bubblegum. What is it? <laughs> tell me. This is such a, This is the most fun I've had yet on an episode. Yeah. What is it? I hid in the basement hoping that she wouldn't follow me down here, but somehow she got that door open and she came down. Addy, yeah. give it to me. Don't go away. Come here. No, you're not going away with that. No, you're giving it to Daddy. No, please give it to Daddy. Okay, tell me what it is. I'll show you what it is, but you have to give it to me. See? Welcome, for the audience. Dad and daughter. All for matches. Oh, right, okay. I can see why yeah. you didn't want No, because he has candles down here. So she got this first, then she's got the knife. Oh, cool. I'm just like, Jesus, what else does he have in here that she can't touch? <laughs> she's I fine in every. <laughs> she must have taken off the list by now. <laughs> yeah, I think we're good. I'm not talking. projects and anything on but what's your what your goals and aspirations for the future blah, 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 blah. my goals and aspirations for the future is just to to show the world like help help the world help kids help blah, blah, somebody blah, blah, blah. going through something that's all i really i i'm living my blah, future blah, blah, blah. what i'm doing right now is my future like i just love the fact that blah, 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 i'm speaking to people every day i'm talking to somebody i'm helping somebody get through something that they didn't blah, blah, think they blah, could blah, get blah. through and i know i am because i get messages every day you a day that tell me that so it's just like it's an awesome feeling when you wake up or you i get up from work and i look on my phone and i'm like oh. just gives you the same feeling that they get you know to know that you're helping someone yeah, in my future not, yeah sorry no go ahead no go ahead i was what just gonna say when you when you get that feeling back of helping other people it's not like and i know you know what i'm saying here you're not you're helping other people to help them but you don't care if anyone else knows. You're not doing it for the ego. You're not doing it for the boasting or the You just refresh your energy when someone, when you put some words out there and someone gives you some words back and just say, I'm just you know, that really helped me what you said there or or they, they understand what you were saying from your heart and it touches and helps your heart. It just refreshes your energy, doesn't it? Yes, it's like the best feeling in the world because it's like, you know, you could have been, like I could have been going through something when I said, when I, a lot of the times when I say stuff like them to you who like the ones when I write to who it come you know to who it may concern, you know, a lot of that is that's a lot of me talking to myself. A lot of those ones is when I'm when I'm going through something at that moment and I'm like, Oh, 
why am I like that right now? I don't need to be, right? So I'll talk to myself. So those are really for me. And when people read them, they're like, oh, man, that helped me so much. I'm like, good, because it helped me too. Yes. And even if it wasn't at this moment, it was a memory I remember. And I'm like, okay, I remember when I went through this. Let me see if somebody else relates to that. So it feels so good when somebody else says that helped because I'm like, God, man, it helped me too. You know, yeah, so it connected me to that person. So I just love it, man. Yeah, I think that's the best. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 We're, all human. We're all going through it. A lot of the things that we're going through, other people have been through exactly the same thing at some point, you know, different levels to it. And I'm the same as you, you know, I put the quotes out there and a lot of them are just uh, the thoughts from my mind that I'm, I've been through at that time specifically or earlier time. And then someone comes back and goes, Yes, I know. I'm, I'm having that issue at the moment. Or yes, I feel that. Yeah, it's 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 good good thing to put out there and and get some feedback on. Yes. Hi. Yes. Hi, Larry. Hi. I um. I'll ask a question to you. Daddy. Daddy. You've already given one about the mentorship, but if if you could give another piece of advice to someone that wanted to start there tomorrow. Prepare, like get prepared. At least what I would say is build a, a build a proposal, like a, build, a business proposal first. Give yourself some kind of forward motion on it. Like figure out how much it costs you to start up. Get the money and get your mindset right first because the last thing you want to do is get in it like I did because that was a very stressful time when it didn't need to be. Because just opening a business in itself is a stressful thing, right? But if you don't have if you don't have the finances or even know, like when I opened the shop, I thought ten grand would have been enough. It cost me over thirty thousand dollars to open that shop. So it's like you don't know, you think you know until you get in there. So put some prepared, get prepared, like figure out what it is you want, understand how much square footage is because when you put the floor down, that matters. Like every little thing. If you're gonna go brick and mortar, if you're not gonna go brick and mortar, like find your find somebody that you can that you look up to or you can get as a mentor to help you figure it out because the one thing you you are going to need is somebody to reassure you when you're going through it sometimes because sometimes you have to live off of somebody else's faith in you before you can believe in yourself. And you've heard that a million times from a million different people, mm -hmm. right? Les Brown says it a lot. Like I've heard it a million different ways, but Les Brown says it quite a bit and that's the truth. Sometimes it's just somebody else's belief in you that makes you believe in yourself. And then eventually you're like, you know what? I believe in myself because that's how I feel. Like I don't doubt myself ever. No. Even if everybody around me doubts me, I'll never let that get into my head because at the end of the day, I'd rather find out for myself than let somebody else tell me what I am. I am into that. I you can call me a POS. I'm going to find out if I am. That's how I feel. Yeah. Just feel, figure it out yourself, man. Yeah. Oh. Prepare and believe. Larry, one, I want to get one book recommendation from you before you go. Just one? Oh, say, you, can me, you can give me three, the magic Daddy. number. <laughs> so I would say you gotta you gotta watch. So the one that really got me started. Hold on one bit, one second, baby. The one that got me really started, the very first one was Dad. David Goggins. You can't hurt. Uh, a guy of mine told me to come in and watch the movie. Read that one. Hold on. Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill is a must. So if you want to understand, hold on, baby.
good Okay, hold on one second. If you Daddy, want, if, if see that's 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 like a must. That book right there is a must. And then oh, yeah. go get that Les Brown book, man. You got, I know you got that one sitting right there too, don't you? No, I haven't because I've let my girlfriend borrow it. <laughs> yeah, the hunger. Yeah, the Les Brown's hungry. What's it called? Uh, got to be hungry. That book, yeah. it's like his whole life wrapped up into one. So like, there's so much you can get out of that book because he's been through a lot. So I feel like when you listen to that. The reason why David Goggins worked for me is because he had a rough childhood growing up, and I had a rough childhood growing up for coming from where I came from. So I completely understood what he was going through in different ways. His was his dad was rough to me. His my dad was rough to me. It was life that was rough to me, kids and other people because of I being raised by a black man. So it was a little different, but still a lot the same. So those are my three recommendations, but. Number one, I would say, is that Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill because that's a book that any young entrepreneur, anybody that needs to get their mindset right, that's the book. Mm. Yeah, like I, I listen to that on Audible. Yeah, yeah. I, I've got that on my audio bill as well. And you can see my copy here. It's a little bit worn and rough around the edges because it's been several times. It's, it's an interesting book. It's kind of book you, I find that you read or you listen to and then you really have to digest the chapter for maybe a couple of days before you get the next one. And then the secret. The secret's a good one too. I don't know if you read that one. Yeah. I'm about mindset books. I I like mindset stuff. I like because I I believe 100. It's your mindset that gets you where you want it, where you're supposed to be. I don't believe it's anything else. I feel like if you get your mindset right, everything else comes. The energy, the, yeah, yeah. the happiness, yeah, yeah. everything else. So yeah. I, yeah. So I feel like. Every book that has to do with mindset, I'm just addicted to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure we'll be sharing some more off air. After all that. Yeah. Larry, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, brother. Thank and you. Can we, say, can we say goodbye to Addison before we go? Addy, Addy, come here. They want to say bye. You want to say bye? Bye. Come on. Come here so they can see you. Bye. Bye bye. It was nice to meet you. Bye. Your daddy. Your daddy's a great man. Your daddy's a great man. You very proud. Out. I like it. So there you go. <laughs> Take care. Have bye a bye. nice day. All right, buddy. It was good Thanks, talking buddy. to you. Thank you for great having me. You. It was a blessing. My honor. Thank you. <laughs> bye. Bye. <laughs>